Call on, please, and let me know. Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to Keys Vineyard Community Church as we uh, continue on in the series we're doing called Take Your Stand. And this series is based on Ephesians 6, 12 through 18, uh, which is all about the armor of God. And we've been breaking down the armor of God piece by piece and talking about how we use it to take a stand, particularly in the ministry of encouragement, and that that's what it's all about. But before we get really into this thing, I have two jokes. I know you can't wait. First one. Two muffins are in an oven. One muffin says, wow, it's really hot in here. And the other muffin says, holy cow. A talking muffin. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Okay, now, (laughs) sorry for those of you that don't find that humorous at all, I apologize. (laughs) That's okay, we'll explain it. All right, here's the other one, joke number two. This is a little longer. Hmm. Okay, in Paris, after uh, Quasimodo uh, died, the vicar of the cathedral there in Notre Dame needed to get a new bell ringer. So he decided to have, like, auditions. And, and, uh, and so the first day he, he opened up and he had a bunch of people come and none of them were really, really that good. And he was tired of hearing bell ringers all day and so... He was about to call it quits when this, this man walked up, and um, this man had no arms. And he, he asked the victor, vicar if he could try out uh, as the bell ringer, and the vicar was like, I don't know how this is going to work. He said, just give me a try. And so the vicar said, okay, and the, the man went up, and he started to ring the bells, and he actually used his face. And, and yet the music that he made with the bells using his face was amazing. It, it drew a crowd, and the, the vicar was thinking to himself, this is it. This is the replacement for Quasimodo. And, and so uh, he, he, he goes up the belfry to tell the guy, hey, you've got the job. And, and right as he gets up here, the, the guy who's ringing the bells with his face kind of missteps in rushing to hit the bell, and he, he falls into the belfry and unfortunately plunges to his death. And there's a big crowd that's gathered, and the the vicar makes his way down, and he gets in there, and the crowd looks at him, and they look at him, and they say, well, who who is this man? And he says, I don't know, but his face rings a bell. (laughs) Wait, wait, I'm not done. There's more. There's more. (laughs) There's more. So this is where people that are visiting going, is this a church? The next day, everyone's still in shock. This man shows up, and he introduced himself as the the brother of the one who had perished yesterday in ringing the bells. And he asked the vicar, he said, listen, the vicar, in in honor of my my brother, could I I please ring the the bells? And the the vicar said, I I think that's a reasonable request. And so he leads him up the belfry to to ring the bells, and the, the brother gets up there, and he's He's kind of out of breath when he gets there, and he reaches over, and he 
He rings the bell, and, and then he sort of clutches his chest, and, and sure enough, he falls over and he dies. And the vicar's just broken up over the, the whole thing, and he, he begins to weep up there in the belfry, and, and a couple of monks go rushing up, and they, they see what's happening, and they, they look at the vicar, and they say, well, who is this man? And the vicar says, I don't know his name, but he's a dead ringer for his brother. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> okay, that makes up for the big gap in jokes over the last 15, 16 weeks. All right? Okay, we're back in it now. We're memorizing Scripture in taking a stand. And... Uh, just like I had you memorize those verses in Hebrews 10, 19 through 25, which I think is vitally important that you, you memorize passages of Scripture. The Word of God is, is so powerful, and we need to know the Word, read the Word, study the Word, memorize the Word. So we're working right now on Ephesians 6, uh, 12 through 18. So far, you should know Ephesians 6, 12 through 16. And this should pop up uh, on top if they're, if they're with me upstairs. And uh, you can, if you don't know them, you can say them with me. And uh, I've got them most of the time, but I'm still in the process of learning, so sometimes I get. But it goes like this, Ephesians 6:12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to take your stand. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. That's what you should know so far. All right, for next week, you need to be memorizing Ephesians six seventeen. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So we'll be working on that one, and then we're, we're plugging right along. So in this series, we have talked about standing up to evil, standing alongside the broken, standing against fear, and standing with Jesus. And as we've looked at the armor of God, we've seen that the belt, uh, the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness give us integrity. That the shoes of peace and the shield of faith give us courage. And the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit give us real life now and forever. And that these are the, uh, these need to be what we remember as we take a stand. That, that when we take a stand in integrity, we can stand alongside the broken. That when we take a stand in courage, we can stand against fear. That, that when we, we take a stand uh, with Jesus, then we have life, real life, now and forever. And, and these are the things we, we should be remembering as we put on the armor of God. See, we're, we're preparing ourselves. We're getting equipped. We're getting readied for the ministry that God has given us. And he's given us all ministry. And in particular, I believe he's given us all the ministry of encouragement. And so as part of what we do, we, we get focused by remembering Hebrews chapter 10, 19 through 25 and, and get, uh, you know, really connected with God. We, we are thankful then for five things. We think about what we're thankful for, which is a, 
an amazing discipline. If you're not doing it, start doing it. It will change the way that you look at life. Instead of looking at all the negative things in life and all the bad news and all the bad everything, every day think about five things that you're thankful for because it will change the way that you look at things. Then we talked about taking a stand. Okay, because of who God is and because of this fearful culture that we're in, the world it needs to be encouraged, and God is calling us to do that ministry once again. It started in the beginning. It's evidence throughout the Scripture. We've looked at the foundation for it, and now we have to do it. And that the church has lost it, um, by and large. That, that much of the church has gotten sidetracked, unfortunately, and we're no better than anybody else, uh, and yet has moved into more of, of uh, uh, being the, the moral police or whatever, and we've lost our effectiveness. Uh, uh, the, the church is not where a lot of people look to anymore for help or guidance. Or, and we're to be the representatives of God. And that, that our struggle is to make sure we don't become like the Pharisees. That in a, in a legitimate pursuit of holiness, we don't miss God altogether and end up being more like the Pharisees than, than the true representation of holiness that we find in Jesus. And this is the struggle. And this is what we, we need to stay in tune with and what's so important. And, and uh, not only will it shake up the world, it, it should shake up the church. And that's a good thing. Because we all need to be shook up. We need to be. It, it's, it's what needs to happen. So that we're always um, uh, looking to God. That we, we never think we've got this all figured out. That we're always looking for God to move and, and seeing what he wants to do and making sure that we're checking in with him. Well, today we're going to look at Ephesians 6.18. We've sort of got all the pieces of the armor in place now. And, and now uh, the Apostle uh, Paul adds this uh, last admonition in these verses. And it says this, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. See, here's what happens. Now we get prepared for ministry and we're, we're getting... We're getting, you know, focused on the Lord. We're thinking about all the amazing things he's done for us. We're being thankful. We're, we're taking a stand now. We're getting the armor of God on. And now it's time to go out and do the ministry. And, and yet we're going to face an enemy who, who uh, likes to stir things up. And if we're not vigilant, if we're not alert, if we're not tuned in to what the Spirit of God is doing, we have a tendency in the midst of the attack Rather than staying focused on where the attack is coming from, which is the rulers, the authorities, the powers of this dark world and the spiritual forces of evil and heavenly limbs, rather than keeping our focus there, you know what happens? We get focused on flesh and blood. Because that's where, that's what we seem to want to lash back out at. And it's, it's continuous. That's why the admonition, your struggle's not against flesh and blood. Why would he say it like that? Because that's what we end up struggling against all the time. And we miss the point. And we get sidetracked and we start thinking that, that you know, uh, that, that it's the people that are the, the problem and when in fact it's what's happening in spiritual places that are, that are what we need to deal with and we get out of focus. And so we need to be in touch with and in tune with what the Spirit of God is doing. And, and that's why it says we need to pray in the Spirit. Now what does that mean? That's your first, first blank, by the way. Pray in the Spirit. What does it mean? Who is the Holy Spirit and what does he do? Now, that's a loaded couple of questions and it would certainly take more than the 20 minutes that I usually speak to answer in full. So I, I don't plan on doing that at the moment. But what I plan on doing is giving you a quick breakdown of who the Holy Spirit is and 
and what it is that he does in just a few verses. Um, Jesus introduces the Holy Spirit to us. The Holy Spirit, part of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, Jesus introduces in this way in John 16, 17, but I tell you the truth, or 16, 7, pardon me, talking to his disciples, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the Counselor will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit there. Again, in John 16, 13, he says, but when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, we have this. But you will receive power. This is Jesus telling his disciples again. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The Apostle Paul gives us a little more information about the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 11. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Or that would be the gift of the Spirit. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another miraculous powers. To another prophecy. To another distinguishing between Spirits. To another speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And he gives them to each one just as he determines. So... From those verses, here's, here's what we can glean just quickly. The Holy Spirit is our counselor. He guides us into all truth. He empowers us for ministry by giving us gifts for the common good. So, so the Holy Spirit helps us to be tuned into what God is all about. And so we need to be in tune and in touch with what he's doing. Now, what does that have to do with standing in love? I'm glad you... Listen to me ask that question. (laughs) Because point number two, and this is very important, is that love has to be the motivation of our lives. And when we're tuned into the Spirit of God, it will be. See, he's, He's come to counsel us and to lead and guide us into all truth. And, and the motivation that we have for ministry and for life has to be love. We've already talked about that it can't be fear in, in the message a couple weeks ago. And yet fear is unfortunately the motivation of the culture. So, so that can't be our motivation. At any time that fear is our motivation, we make really, really bad choices. Um, you know, there's an initial fear I talked about that, that I think is God-given where we either, we either run or fight. But then there's that spirit of fear that we, we discussed in detail where the enemy tries to take those things and then just make us constantly worried. And when we get into that state, we make terrible decisions. And yet it's something that we have to deal with all the time. So that can't be our motivation. What has to be our motivation is love. And so, so we can be dressed in the armor of God and equipped with all these amazing gifts of the Spirit. And yet if the motivation of our lives isn't love... We miss the mark. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3. Paul goes on and says, if I, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels but have not love, 
I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames but have not love, I gain nothing. See, the Apostle Paul, who not only teaches us about the armor of God, but the gifts of the Spirit, goes on and he says, but listen, these are all wonderful and amazing things that God has for you. But if your motivation is not love, you gain nothing. It, 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 you, you've missed it. You, you, you become like the Pharisees. You, you haven't made the, the connection. You haven't made the change. And so, so our motivation for everything in life has to be love. It has to be. And yet, the battle that we face, and this is where we really need to take a stand. See, it comes down to this, I think. That the biggest part of this is that, that where we get off track the most is we, we come under the fear of the culture, which is an attack, all along from the evil one, we give in to it, we begin to operate, not with integrity, we begin to operate, you know, in, in, not in, in the real life that, that Jesus has given us. We, we don't become people of courage. We, we succumb to this pressure and we do the exact opposite. And our, our motivation isn't love at that point. And it has to be for everything in life. And, and so the third point, and, and perhaps the most important point of, of this whole idea, is this, that everything has to be passed through the filter of love. So what we need to be moving towards in our lives, in, in our spiritual journey with God as we're drawing closer to Him, is that, that as we are praying in the Spirit and as we are moving towards Him, we're taking everything and we're, we're making sure that it lines up with what love is all about. That, because that's what God's all about. Jesus has already asked. When Jesus was asked, what's the most important thing? I didn't put it in the verse because I've said it probably ten times in the last 12, 13 messages. And it is love God, love your neighbor as yourself. Most important thing, love. Love God, love your neighbor as yourself. What's the most important thing? Love God, love your neighbor as yourself. It's the most important thing. It's what it all boils down to. So, so here we are and, and, and we're, we're engaged in this pretty significant thing. And, and the enemy would love to just shut us down uh, from ministry, to make us complacent, to make us uh, um, forget what it's really all about, to, to stop things from happening, to keep us from encouraging other people, to keep us from growing, to, to keep us from, from missing what matters most. And, and yet God wants us out and he wants us to, to impact the world. And he's given us this neat little ministry to do it, this ministry of encouragement that everybody can do. And he's, he's, he's armoring us, he's, he's dressing us, he's equipping us, he's giving us gifts, and he's saying, go and do this stuff. But everything we do now has to be processed through the filter of love. Um, and, and, and the reason, as I was saying, see, it's so easy to get distracted. Have you figured that out? This is a very distracting place we live in. This broken planet, the fallen world, has a lot of distractions. They're, they're constant. Um, they're everywhere. Life is, is, is often distracting. Work is distracting. Relationships are distracting. Um, things not going the way that you want them to go is distracting. All sorts of stuff can be extremely distracting. And when we get distracted, and we've had a whole message on this, it's very easy for us to get self-focused and we quit looking at 
Him. And, and when we get self-focused, we don't process anything through a filter of love. See, to me, this is what happened to the Pharisees. We've talked about this over and over again. And we see the resulting fruit in the lives of the Pharisees who, again, didn't start out bad. Started out with good motives. Weren't evil when they, when they began, and, and don't want to give them that term, but, but they, they, over time, lost the ability to process things through a filter of love. And, and by the time Jesus arrives on the scene and begins to change everything, how often do we see the Pharisees so not caring about people that they use them as traps and bait and whatever they can? Because they just don't care about people. Their, their, their love is no longer their motivation. They're, they're sort of moved into this self-preservation mode. And, and you, can't, you can't minister for God there. You can't love people from that point. It just doesn't work. And, and so this filter of love that I'm talking about is found in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. Many of you know these verses, but I don't know that you think about them this way. I always read these verses at weddings because I think it's a great way for people to love one another. Um, and, and I've done this as well, that, that every place in, in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, you can do this because God is love. You can put God in there. So you could read it that way. God is patient. God is kind. God does not envy. God does not boast. God is, those, that's pretty cool too. You can put your own name in there because you're supposed to live like that. You're supposed to be taking on the character of God in that regard. So it should be, you know, Steve is patient. Steve is kind. Steve does not envy. Steve does not boast. I better stop before I get struck by lightning. Steve is not rude. No. But here's the thing. Let me, let me read it to you. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not boast. Love is not proud. Love is not rude. Love is not self-seeking. Love is not easily angered. Love keeps no record of wrongs. But some good news, isn't it? Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Love always protects. Love always trusts. Love always hopes. Love always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they'll cease. And where there are tongues, they'll be stilled. Where there's knowledge, it will pass away. But love never fails. That's why it's the ultimate filter. And so we need to get to the place that, that we begin to process our actions by love. And, and it will stop you most of the time. If you begin to think about what you're about to say and run it through that love filter real quick, hmm, you may not get to say it. Wait, I've been easily angered. That means I shouldn't respond. Because I'm amazingly easily angered. My words might be self-seeking. I guess I shouldn't say them. My words might be proud. I might be operating in my pride. My words might be boastful. My words might demonstrate a measure of impatience. <laughs> what I'm about to say might not be kind do you get how, if you really processed what you're doing through those filters, things would be way different? 
and that we wouldn't we wouldn't keep getting off track with the focus of our attention, which keeps going back to flesh and blood. And Paul says it's not the battle. It's not what you need to do. And, and that if you figure it out and if you love the way Jesus taught us to love, which is we love God and love each other. And we begin to stand in love. Things will change because we we can't become like the Pharisees if we're doing things in love. We can't. We can't be people that lack integrity if we're running through these filters. We can't be a discouraged people if we're running through those filters. Love never fails. What do I got to worry about? God loves me. He's love. I love him. I got nothing to worry about. He's promised me forever. So life might get a little tough. Yeah. It's been tough. I don't need to be afraid. Because, because God's in control. God's in charge. And he wants me to stand with him. He wants me to stand. And, and he wants me to stand up to, to evil. He, he wants me to stand alongside the broken. He wants me to stand against fear. He, 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 he wants us to stand with Jesus. And he wants us to stand in love. He's given us everything we need to do it. He's never left us alone. We have the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Who stands with us. So, so, so all we need to do is stand, make a choice, make a decision, and, and remember that it's all about him. So, so praying in the spirit is this idea of staying connected to the heart of God, which is a heart of love. It keeps us, if we'll do it, from getting arrogant, self-righteous, self-centered, and rebellious. It keeps us. From using religion as a cover for evil. Because it happens all the time. So we need to do everything then to stand. Which is the admonition from Paul. Then we pray in the spirit. Realizing that our motivation for life must be love. And that we need to process everything through that filter of love. So take your stand in love. Be thankful for five things every day. Encourage two people. It'll change you. It'll change the world. A little bit at a time. That's all that needs to happen. Amen? Amen. If you're watching by video, thanks for watching. And uh, we're glad that you are. If you need anything, you can call us or write us or email us. We'll do what we can. But we're going to go ahead and pray tonight as a group. And uh, so you can shut down the video upstairs.